I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what we just watched here. Motorcycle Maniacs. So this. So this is. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And this is a bonus episode that we are making during our, our hiatus here. Our, we have a mid-season break. And uh, we thought, you know, nine weeks is probably too long to wait to, to put out any kind of content. So we decided to record a bonus episode with a movie that one of our Instagram followers is the like director, producer, writer of this Co-writer, movie. And yeah. was like, hey, you know, we think you guys would like this. Will you take a look at it? And yes, the name of it is Motorcycle Maniacs. But when he contacted us uh, on Instagram, he said the original title of this movie was Sex Terrorists on Wheels. <laughs> and that's and that's the point where I was like, yeah, I'll take a look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a bonus episode. It's a little bit different from all the other movies we've watched so far because it is a smaller production, right? Like this, definitely. We can tell this isn't a Hollywood production film. But you know what? We we love our fans and we love our followers on Instagram and Twitter. And when this guy hit us up, uh, we were like, you know what? What a great excuse to just kind of make like an episode just for just for fun. We'll watch this movie and we'll see what's up. And uh, and here we are. That's what we did. Yeah. yeah. And, and we do want to thank uh, our our listener for sort of sending Stefan. Yeah, Stefan. Thank you, Stefan. At Motorcycle Maniacs, which is of course the name of the movie. And uh, this is uh, so okay. Let's start with this. They're not making this thing to be serious. They're clearly leaning into the like seventies era B movie. My God, just like Sex Terrorists on Wheels. That sounds like the title of a movie that you would have gone to see at like some bullshit movie theater at like midnight. Like it's not. They're not trying to make this a serious movie. No, and and it's clearly kind of set in the past a little bit, right? Like it. It's not fully in the past. It was probably supposed to be. 70s 80s 90s era i guess i don't know it was baffling it, to me. it's it a little bit like hard to tell the time was sort of the timeline the but i i think we had to take a little bit of a grain of salt when we watched this because if we judge it against other movies we've watched in the podcast it's not really fair no this is not a major hollywood production these guys are clearly doing this independently outside of the studio system which actually lines it up nicely with the beer that we are drinking for this episode mm. uh the beer we are drinking today is called yuzu and it is by the radical road Brewing Company, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Have you heard of these guys before, Noel? Radical Road, I've definitely heard of before. I don't think I've tried this yuzu pale ale. I'm excited because I do love pale ale. So I know you do. Japanese so. yuzu fruit um, is put into this pale ale. Yeah, this is sort of something I'm getting on the side of this. So it's Pacific Northwest hops, and it creates a blend of citrus flavors. So I'm excited for that. So some of my favorite beers are citrusy pale ales. Let's crack it open and get into it. Yeah, I like it. it, it I would say this movie would be small batch movie making, I guess, if we were going to compare it. Oh, right? that's a great way of saying that. Yeah, I like right? that. So we got that. So we're kind of bringing the spirit of our craft brewing with spirit of independent movie making here together as we watch sort of an undescribable movie. An indescribable <laughs> movie, I would say. So we open on a bridge. You were very excited with this bridge. <laughs> up. Wonderful dress bridge. I was you love bridges. Excited. You know so much about bridges. It's such a weird thing. I threw down a straight plus one for bridge start, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I was super happy about how this this movie ended. For sure. Yeah, man. So we've got this bridge. There's an old man walking with his much younger wife, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, we find out that she's carrying his child. We were very confused about what this relationship yeah, was. Yeah, it was strange. He He had this sort of long white beard, and he was bald, and she was... 
a lot younger, and they were talking about his, how this was going to be their last time. The last time, and I, my first thought was they're like bank robbers or something. No, it turns out this is a drug deal. <laughs> this is as they're walking along, we get the first of many just aggressive zooms. <laughs> it's a zoom in on a uh, coyote. At least I believe it's supposed to be a coyote. But it's a dog. <laughs> I mean, even in the credits, it says Max the dog as Max the coyote. Well, there you go. So yeah. it's a dog playing a coyote. This yeah. is, I don't know how expensive it is to rent a fucking coyote. It's probably expensive. Oh, uh, yeah. If you want to train coyote, I bet that costs a lot of coin. For sure it does. We've also got some pretty strong Western vibes at this point. Yeah, the music sort of chimes in right here. And we're getting some very, like rockabilly western kind of sounds we definitely know that it's supposed to have those kind of tones we're thinking like wild west things are out of control and maybe there's a little bit of law that's trying to hold this together lots of twangs but we find out that they're in texas that's what we learn while these two are walking along all of a sudden somebody in leather hot pants shows up and it's just like hey tim I guess the dude's name is Tim. Yeah, we get this straight zoom on on these leather chapped like ass right away, right? Yep. And then we hear from this person, hey Tim. Jezebel is her name. Yep. And she basically uh she's dressed like a witch, like a Halloween costume of a witch. And like <laughs> I wrote down Hillary Duff witch, because she kind of looked a little Hillary Duff. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It was definitely like an extremely exotic. Well, I don't know if exotic's the right word. It was like no, it's a blonde white lady. She's not exotic at all. No, no, no. I'm just trying to say a, a polite way to say, like, skanky or slutty. Oh, hey now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you're not wrong either. That's kind of the appearance we're, we're led to believe here. Some kind of, like, BDSM-themed something. Yeah, uh, this is not who they were expecting. Turns out that she's not there to buy their drugs. She's there to take. And as soon as she says that, Tim just eats an arrow in the leg, and then someone else throws a noose around his like wife girlfriend. <laughs> well, hold on, just off to the races here. Tim, Tim gets upset. He's like, "What do you mean?" And he pulls a gun. And after he pulls that gun on them, he takes a bow and arrow right through the leg. Like this There's has a- to hit one of his arteries. Like this guy's bleeding out already, and his pregnant bride or whatever she is gets noosed. Oh yeah, and the, this is the first of several hangings in this movie. This is this is the gang. This these are the motorpsychomaniacs, the sex terrorists for which this film was previously titled. <laughs> we get we meet the leader immediately. Uh, his name is Lobo the Wolf, which Lobo is literally just the Spanish word for wolf. It's Wolf the Wolf. wolf, the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Duran Duran of biker gang leaders. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Lobo is a character in this movie that pops up a lot and has way too many lines for his acting caliber. You were pretty down on Lobo. Lobo was my least favorite character in this entire movie. He's he's important. He drives the plot along. You need Lobo for sure, but. He was just so deliberate in everything he said (laughs) that it felt like beating me over the head bad. Here's what confuses me because, I mean, you're not wrong about Lobo, but it does it. It sort of seems like the wife girlfriend is kind of in on this. Like she talks to the gang, like she knows them. She says, "You weren't supposed to kill him. You're only supposed to scare him." And I'm yes. like, what is what is she? Did she like cross? She crossed him on this deal. She's carrying his child. My interpretation was she was trying to get him out of the drug game. Okay. So she had made a deal with these fucking sex terrorists to get her husband, (laughs) old man Tim, out of the drug game. Like a scared straight scenario. Yeah, exactly. But instead, they fucking shoot him through the femoral artery with an arrow. Go go figure that uh, trusting group called these sex terrorists did not pay off. And what else happened to them after they fucking... Well, uh, so 
first of all, we see boobs like less than a minute into this movie, which is... Jezebel takes her top off. Pops it right away. Why? It's a power move, I think. I think she's (laughs) She's, just... Well, and then she runs a straight blade over her breasts as she's trying to intimidate them. It intimidated me. I was very intimidated. Fair. And a little aroused. That's a nice opinion. This the gang is they're bad people. We find this out because they basically there's no easy way to say this. They rape his uh, wife slash girlfriend. Yeah, a very bloody yeah. and weird dude with a like raccoon skin hat, like Who, a Davy Crockett hat. Yeah, um, clearly rapes the pregnant woman. And we find out later on this is not the last raping in this movie. This movie is a little rape heavy for my taste. Uh, a lot rape heavy yeah. for everyone's taste, I think. This guy later on is encouraged to participate in more of these uh, unwanted sexual escapades. He, I don't know if we ever actually learn his name, but he is obsessed with livers. And I just referred to him as the liver king throughout this whole thing. Yeah, I think we don't actually find out his name till the end credits. And I just didn't have the energy to write it down after watching it's this. It's like film. Larry the liver yeah. eater or yeah, Lenny the liver, like I don't know, whatever. Lenny the liver but he, he, he's having his way with the dude's wife. Meanwhile, they scalped him, which is just, I mean, we've got some. They're operating on a budget here, clearly, but the, this skin effect is not great. So. Uh, you can't see it, but I'm very heavily rolling my eyes at Cooper as we podcast here. Because <laughs> of course, the person who scalps him is a white woman with some black paint on her face. Who? Well, now hey, hold the phone. You love you love doing this. Uh, You've done this so much in it our is first making, season. Yeah, it makes me so uncomfortable every time they we run say into they this address shit. this. They say that she is one sixty four Kamikaze. Comanche. Comanche. Kamikaze. Yeah, the Japanese fighter pilot. Good <laughs> lord! It it is really really rough. So. They, but they joke about it. They, they mention do. it. Is and, that, and, is that and I try to stick a white woman in there and just ignore it? And no, I I am glad they sort of mentioned that. They know that what they're doing is cultural appropriation, and that's sort of why they sort of share or poke fun at those ideas. And I think we have to take this movie with that sort of understanding. Well, that's if what we, we're if, saying. Yeah. If we took this movie seriously, uh, we would have shut it off. Like, seven oh come on now, don't movie, right? don't be mean. No, no, no. I'm not saying that like it wasn't worth watching. I'm saying that if you weren't able to interpret it in that way, it would be offensive Listen, to many if people. You, if you went to a blockbuster video in the 90s and tried to rent this thinking you were taking home like Kramer versus Kramer, yeah, you're going to be upset and you're going <laughs> to fucking return it. But it, come on. This is not what we knew we were getting into. No, no, here. we did. And, and I'm not upset that I watched it. But I'm just saying like... High praise. <laughs> this, could be, this could be offensive to many. Sure. Uh... So, speaking of things that are a little extreme. <laughs> <laughs> are we getting to Tim's fate right well, now? Well, that's, what, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, um, the the liver fan ends up cutting out the pregnant woman's liver and, like, eating it because he's a cannibal who enjoys the taste of human liver. While that's happening, they appear to cut off Tim's balls and feed it to him in his mouth. But, like, this does not look like... Why? Why is the the penis was like so solid and the, there's no yeah, way? Yeah. So it was funny because I felt like the testicle effect was actually fairly good. Oh, there you like go. They okay. looked like hanging balls, but when they they had the <laughs> the penis in there, um, it looked like a sort of like toilet paper tube, kind of covered in skin colored paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus, plus one for the ball effect, but minus one for the. Yeah, so we're going out even on this one. Yeah, I agree. So 
And then the blood looked like it was fucking Hershey's chocolate liquid sauce. Like, oh so my god! Oh, that there's a yeah. few times in this movie where the, the blood scalp, is it's just the scalp, jet black. Yeah, it was pretty. Now, weird. one of the one of the I think it was Lobo uh, says, "It's a long way to Esperanza." And we get a montage of them kind of, you know, packing up, traveling, and we get the credits. And sure enough, the credits say the old title, Sex Terrorists on Wheels. We then immediately cut to like a grizzled old prospector, or is he like, is he a furrier? He's got of like, he's got a lot of like, uh, a lot of animal pelts on him. <laughs> yeah, he can sort of speak to animals and he, he has the ability to sort of sense them. We well, he's, he's talking to a chinchilla when you meet him. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> I love that you called him old prospector. He sort of pulled me back to a lot of the other movies, horror movies we've watched, where we've had sort of this prophetic old man. Well, you, right away you were like, he's prophetic. He pre- predicted yeah, something. He started to sure predict what's happening. Yeah. He started to say this, and I was like, I-, I see why he's in this movie, right? Like, this makes sense. We need this guy to help push along the yeah. plot and also to balance out, like, through nature, the evil of the sex series. Well, and he's talking to a chinchilla. He talks to a turtle. And the coyote we saw earlier returns to, like, he clearly belongs yeah, to him. Him he's and Max are pretty yeah. close, we we figured out. And, and you start to figure out pretty quick that, that maybe this movie is just sort of like kind of an indictment on human nature. Like we've got sort of, <laughs> that's what it started to feel to I mean, me, right? I was like, I started to feel like that's what they were trying to get at in their stories. They were trying to be like, look at this is how people are living currently. This is the problem of our modern scenario. And then sort of that grizzled old man was the how we should go back to living. I mean, you definitely see the worst of human nature, and I agree. His simple, idyllic lifestyle is certainly... I mean, he's the only character in this movie who is kind of above reproach because everyone else just does horrible, horrible things. Yeah, it's true. It's it's weird. We learn later that his name is Enzo. No, Ezra. Ezra, Ezra, that's right. Sorry. Oh, and and yeah, he's an Italian. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's an Italian baker. Yeah, we've got he's a Japanese out. kamikaze Native American <laughs> and an Italian baker old prospector. Uh, in, am I in blaming am I blaming the Yuzu beer here say, from uh, Ramblin Road or am I not, blaming this, this movie? Your, from Radical Road? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. I'm flashing back to Predator 2 right now. Uh, so we also, speaking of other characters, we meet a a white lady uh, who is wearing a poncho and a sombrero. And she, <laughs> I drop another eyebrow on uh, this one. Cultural appropriation uh, 2.0. But she never claims to be like Latino. She's just walking down the road. She's wearing this. Her sombrero says Mexico on it, it. So she's just she's been to Mexico. You ever bought a souvenir anywhere you travel? That is Come exactly what we find out actually. So we, I, was, I was happy about that. Then from there we jump to the gang, the sex terrorists on wheels. They're around a campfire, and this is where they kind of point out that the girl doesn't look like Native American. She doesn't look like she's from First Nations community. She looks white, but she clarifies for all of us, especially you, Noel, that she is one sixty fourth Comanche. Then we cut We to... also find out in that very moment that the only one she will fuck is the leader of the gang because he's the only one who can tame her like Indian wildness. This is kind of a recurring theme also. For some reason, the ladies love Lobo or like within his gang at least, there's competition for who gets to, who gets to bed the wolf as it were. Which is shocking because Lobo brings nothing to the table for he's me. He's the leader. He's the president of this chapter, I which he repeats so, yeah. over and over again. So there's, it's, telling it's, it's the power. He keeps telling you Go for the power. Yeah. We then meet two uh, police officers. They're Texas like Rangers. they're Texas Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I had to pause for a second because with one of them, I was like, "Is that Lou Diamond Phillips?" <laughs> this is uh, we, <laughs> that, I thought for a split second it was him. It is not. Um, but these are two Texas Rangers. For some reason, they do not have their horses. Um, yeah, they're they're hiking through. Texas. They are, and they ask for directions. They meet Ezra, our prophetic old man, and they ask him for some directions because they're looking for the. Sh- 
the devil? The she-devil. The she-devil of the... Uh, Whatever mountains. That something. Some, yeah. Snake mountains. Snake mountains. She-devil of snake mountains. She-devil of snake mountains, yeah. Well, I don't know. We cut back to that same white girl in the poncho, and she is uh, not wearing the poncho right now. She is actually skinny dipping when all of a sudden, the one of the Texas Rangers shows up and finds her. His name is Sticky Joe. And yeah. goddamn, Why? he what? is a disgusting human being. So this is like this overweight Texas Ranger with a horrible beard who just wants to get his dick wet. Yeah, that's all he does. And he tries to hook up with her. Luckily, his partner steps yeah. up. And so he so pretends to take down his zipper, but he doesn't actually do it. You know what's funny about that is there are so many times in this movie where male characters allegedly have their pants down or they're allegedly have their dick out and they never do. It's just like, and for the record, I'm not saying I wish that that was the thing and we were going to see that. But like they, they could have made so it more scenes. believable. So oh, one of just, the biggest yeah. faults of this movie for you is that the dick outs were not believable <laughs> enough. And I think that's fair. I mean, I think there should have been many more plausible dick outs. Here's the thing. I support female empowerment. And so I'm like, you know, they have no trouble showing a bunch of boobs. Why not throw a hot cock out there for uh, for everyone? What if there's something? <laughs> 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 the largest assumption that what all women want to see a hot cock. Well, I, listen, uh, I'm not all of them. Certainly not all of them, uh, but maybe some do. Do all well, men want to see the, the various so, boobies? So we get seeing? there, and I don't understand why his name is Sticky Joe, but Sticky Joe, the Texas Marshal, tries to like throw down some very rapey vibes at the she-devil of Snake Mountain. But his partner stops him. Thank goodness for Lou Diamond Phillips, lookalike, who stops him. And uh, they they have been kind of tracking this lady. He calls her the she-devil. They've been looking for her. And she says she isn't who they think she is. So we're starting to find out this is a very mysterious character. Maybe some more backstory there. I mean, you might have got a little bit like funky music there to sort of support it. God, the music cues in this are surprisingly good. Really good. So really good. I'm going to give a lot of credit to the musical background and even the sound effects. They're on the nose, but they're well done for the the movie (laughs) that we have. There's a lot of whip and like revving motorcycle sounds in this bad boy. This will come up again when we when we go to rate this, but clearly a lot of effort went into this. This is not like again, it's a low budget production, independent production, but they're not half-assing this. They're putting effort in the sound cues, the editing. I was a little impressed with some of it. Oh, definitely. I I thought that the music played well for the tone of the movie, for sure. There you go. So we see the gang again, and they are... Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is where they meet Ezra. They meet Ezra, the old man in the woods, and uh, they kind of question who he is, and he says that he's sort of from this area. And they they ask him some questions, and he tells them that they're up on the eve of destruction. Well, and he's very unimpressed that uh, Lobo is calling himself the wolf. I'm Lobo the wolf. You're not a wolf. You're a human being. <laughs> Which is amazing, right? I love <laughs> Absolutely. this. This is where I was really questioning Lobo's acting. This is where I was like, he, he's just incredibly deliberate, and I don't believe it in any way. When Ezra tells him that he's headed for the Eve of Destruction, Lobo pulls a gun on him, but when we see when the camera cuts back, the old man is just gone. Yes, our prophetic old man who lives alone in the woods. He is a He's at one with nature. But we, this is where I take sort of my lesson from the movie. Right? Yeah. This is where I'm sort of figuring that the message of the movie must be. You're thinking about moving into the woods? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like we better should, we should all go move to the woods and stop. Say goodbye to your wife and children and just no, they move can out come. there. And, like, <laughs> they will lucky them. They can, <laughs> they can come. <laughs> Guess what? We're moving to the woods. Uh, we go from there to a bar, which is in like some kind of barn. <laughs> Which I know you had a lot of. You uh, this had a lot is to a challenging this. setting Come for on. me. Um, both this and the hideout for our villains were 
clearly quickly. This is the hideout, isn't it? Is no, no. Hideout? The bar- the barn's not the hideout. The hideout is some sketchy a different barn? garage. Um, yeah, but <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, this. I apologize. You're right. Uh, this is the barn that is clearly a barn. The next one is the problem. Yeah, and yeah. so they're at this bar, which is taking place in a barn, and we find this sort of like very old man. It's a grandfather and yeah, his granddaughter with a woman whose granddaughter. They keep calling her granddaughter, but she looks like she's about thirty-five. Listen, he's old as fuck, so she could definitely be his. I granddaughter. No, you're right. That's true. Like, but they also like very much. She's in like a very white dress and keep referring to her like innocence and virginity. She's meant to seem very virginal. I feel and there's another guy there as well. It turns out his, uh, his mother just died and I've they're talking him, about this briefly. I've called him the well-dressed man. Fair enough. He is wearing a nice suit. The sex terrorists arrive and there's bad times coming. Clearly the old man tells them there's no smoking. They just laugh. And then they kind of, they're a little bit taken with the bartender's granddaughter, Emily is her name. Grandpa doesn't like the attention that she gets, so she pulls a gun on them. But Jezebel, in one of her many successful bullwhippings in this movie, just whips it right out of his hands. She bullwhips at least a dozen guns out of people's hands in this movie. And it is pretty incredible. Like, someone that skilled with a bullwhip should not be a part of a sex terrorist gang, I feel. like She's like a Lady Indiana Jones. She should, yeah, have other great career aspirations, I feel. Speaking of incredible, the well-dressed man, as you put him, pulls a gun on them and tells them to <laughs> knock it off. And his name, we learn. <laughs> <laughs> I love this part of the movie. His name is Richard Cox. He's fucking Dick Cox, which is so good. And and I, I hard shit on Cooper after this because <laughs> we have sort of thrown some shout-outs to our D&D friends. Stop it. Yeah. Cooper and I ha- have played some Dungeons and Dragons together in the past, and and one of uh, Cooper's <laughs> characters' name is Dixon Cox. So this is just so funny. I, I can't. I'm not into the whole like the sword and sorcery D and D part. It, for me, it's an excuse to get there with their friends. So I, I have a little fun with it, and I know that it might have upset you especially because you're fucking like super into it. Which, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was not upset by your Dixon Cox name, but I just love that you and Stefan are on the same page. I feel like maybe you could have been a co-producer of this movie. So Dick Cox uh, pulls the gun on these people, but sure enough, Jezebel whips it out of his hands Again? also. What the fuck? Her bull whip is on point. She is, man. I agree. The gang's going to have their way with the granddaughter. And uh, <laughs> this is where I was kind of like, and I don't know why this came out of me, but I was like, this writing is actually kind of clever. I did some laughing at the things that were happening here and the lines that were saying. So I want to give some credit to sort of the humor that they built in here. Yeah, the grandfather tries to stop them from taking advantage of their daughter, of his granddaughter, but they, they just kill him. Yeah, they, so, they force Emily to stab him, which is really fucked up. Yeah, and his blood is jet black. The blood effects in this are not strong. Yeah, it, it felt like chocolate that's sauce that's to me like again. Sauce. Like, it felt like chocolate sauce again. I don't love that. Maybe it's more accurate than many of the movies we've watched. I'm not really sure. I don't know a lot about that. I think even the darkest blood is it's still like a reddish hue. This yeah. is, like, dark. I, I To me, it was, like, jet black, but, but you then, said it was kind of more brown. Then we get Lobo throwing well, down get another, another, rape, another rape. And I'm not... Yeah. And this is where he throws down a MacGruber one pump. He's sort of going from behind. But after <laughs> he's he... He's making the sounds. Yeah, he's making the sounds and the face. Like the face when... I don't know if you have seen MacGruber or not. I know you have oh, seen MacGruber. Oh, you know I've yeah, seen Yeah, I know. MacGruber. We've seen this together. Where he's in the cemetery making love to his dead wife. This is, this is sort of the face that I see on Lobo the Wolf. But when he pulls oh away God. from the... Like 
backside of the person he is supposedly raped, his pants are on and his zipper is up. There's not. <laughs> so not this even is that. another moment where you would have Listen, liked to have seen hey, cop, and it didn't maybe happen. Maybe he just dry humped her to completion. Maybe he. I maybe would be happier <laughs> with this because then she'd still be a virgin. But then we get our friend. Liver, well, hang on. Liver they they kill her. They yeah. kill her next. Yeah. yeah. Liver. The liver king kills her, and sure enough, he eats. He eats her liver. Guy loves eating livers. Dick Cox, understandably, is like, I can't even say his name without laughing. Dick Cox <laughs> is like, what the fuck? And uh, somehow, I don't know how this happens. Lobo ends up like they've got a gun to each other or something, and Lobo ends up telling him, "I am a rotten bastard, but I have friends who aren't, and you cops pound on them just the same. Their only crime is the color of their skin." Black Lives Matter, bitch. And Dick Cox is like, you're not black, because Lobo is definitely not black. Then Lobo calls him racist and shoots him, and that's the end of Dick Cox. And, like, rest in peace, Dick Cox. What What was this? This was a weird moment, and I don't really know what they were trying to say. Like, I don't know if this was a political statement or not. I mean, black lives do matter, clearly. I agree. Definitely. But he, several times in the movie, worked in the line, what, are you racist? Like he he said that to several characters. This like Lobo said that to others. Right. In many times where he was doing questionable or racist things. So like clearly the writers are trying to poke fun at something or to bring something to light. So we go back to the she devil. Okay. Before you go back to the she devil. No, not yet. Okay. Yeah. We have another fucking bird zoom. Oh, the eagle. Yes. The so, soaring eagle. <laughs> several times in this movie, and I wrote it down in this instance. <laughs> We have these sort of stock cuts of soaring eagles in the sky, and a lot of times they'll transition through those scoring soaring eagles. And I'm trying to piece the meaning to that, and it must sort of go back to that message of like back to nature. For it's sure. a majestic bird. I assumed it was like because again, Ezra Ezra sees through the animals. I'm like, are these? Is this, oh, like this an is the story scout? of Ezra seeing what's happening. Ezra Ezra needs to keep up on the plot of this movie. That's fair. That could happen. Uh, we go from there to the she devil, mm-hmm. and. For some reason, she has her poncho on now and her sombrero, but her ass is just hanging on this poncho. So the poncho does not cover her her full. <laughs> I swear it was earlier. Well, also when she goes to get dressed in her poncho, what does she do first? I didn't see it. What she happens? puts the sombrero on before oh, yes, attempting yes, to put the poncho. Yeah. On. You're never going to fit the poncho over that sombrero. Yeah, how are you getting the poncho over your sombrero? But we're here. She has her sombrero on. She has her poncho on. Which is currently in the back of my car. <laughs> it is actually the poncho or so it is the poncho out of Cooper's car. Uh, <laughs> there's still some ass marks on it from this movie, but that's okay. What? Stop it. Um so you can see her ass because they don't extend it past that. Like they just no. clearly are doing gratuitous. She's actions. hanging ass the whole time. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess. They're trying to build some. I don't know who the who is the target audience for this movie. Uh, people who have podcasts like ours. I, don't know, I have no <laughs> idea. Okay, so I was just trying to figure out why they did it, but it was interesting. It was. She's there with the two Texas Rangers. They are eating and drinking. Uh, she wants some food or some drink, but Sticky Joe is like, "None for you." And the partner says that she's their prisoner, and it's up to them to take care of her. And Sticky Joe is like, "Oh, I'll take care of her," which is so fucking gross. He tries to pull his. D- out again he does he's doing that all the time why is he called sticky joe because his fingers are covered in all the time oh, like is jesus that, well why is it that like, part <laughs> well why is it called sticky joe he's that's a, probably texas, why yeah texas ranger who keeps trying to rape the person in his custody yeah it's not it's not a good look for the texas rangers wow suddenly the bikers arrive and uh i love this line I hope it's not those sex terrorists who keep hearing about in the media <laughs> 
lot of problems with this scene. One, they've taken the she-devil and found some weird garage to sleep in. This is where they've decided to oh, hunker down. Oh, this is down. the hideout where you this were. Is, yeah. It's fucking Trevor's garage. They're in Trevor's garage. <laughs> we, get, we get that almost. Who's Trevor? <laughs> Just next anyone. Door it could be anyone's house. This is fucking Trevor's garage. We get we get the shout out to Noel's next door neighbor, Trevor. He doesn't have a garage. But <laughs> he does in this movie. He does. It's actually the hideout of the sex terrorists. It is. So they're eating bad luck. Bad luck. They stumbled bad upon luck. the sex terrorists. Really bad luck. They're yeah. eating this awful jerky, which turns out to be made of livers of humans. Um, that guy who keeps cutting out everyone's livers keeps turning it into jerky. And then, of course, who shows up to sort of continue the day? The sex terrorist. So we're here now in the sex terrorist fucking cheap-ass garage, which is their hideout. And the Texas Rangers are there with the she-devil, and we're going to get a fucking standoff. We get that almost right away. The bikers are understandably confused, as is everyone who meets Texas Rangers. First thing they say is, where are your horses? And uh, my answer to that is horses are expensive. You can't, if you're making a movie on a low budget, you can't be renting horses and having to follow all the animal ethics codes. So they, this is a, this is an elegant workaround. Let's say it cost a lot to have the chinchilla, the turtle and the dog in the movie. Yeah. That was the live chinchilla. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no way where they were pulling out fucking horses. Yeah. Um, while they're there, the Lobo recognizes the she beast of uh devil mountain i think it is yeah i think you're right. maybe not snake mountain i don't know uh he goes to kind of make a move on her and this is where we get the standoff you mentioned all the guns and knives come out we're in the standoff and then all of a sudden the whip once again takes away sticky, sticky joe's gun every time and the sex terrorists just completely uh take over the marshals there there's no things are not looking good right now for the she beast i'm gonna step in here real quick so we see the one marshal get its gun whipped out of his hand, and the other takes an arrow through the hand. The guy's sharp with the arrow. Yeah, would guy the moonshine? It's the is that who it was? Woman. Oh, yeah, I thought it was is, the liver guy. No, it's the indigenous like appropriation woman who gets shot. She's one sixty fourth. Listen, yeah, okay, she takes that arrow out of his hand and stabs it right through the fucking eye of old one eye. No, why would she stab the guy in her own no, game? No, he doesn't. Sorry. The Texas Marshal rips the arrow out of his hand and stabs it through the eye of Old One-Eye, one of the members of the sex cultist. One who we see very little and has very little importance. Old One-Eye doesn't last too long in this whole well, uh, melee as here. As he becomes Old Zero-Eye, he's gone. <laughs> they, uh, they, <laughs> they overwhelm the Marshals, and again, things are not looking good. And sure enough, we get another... Like, this is like the third rape scene in this movie. There's so, so many rapes. I'm uncomfortable a, with it. This is really graphic. They take the arrow that the marshal uses to, like, kill or end old one eye and shove it ass repeatedly. Well, uh, yes. Yeah. That's what happens. And in the other case, the other marshal, Sticky Joe, just gets raped? I well the next day they rape both of them. It's a power move, much yeah. like uh, much like Jezebel showing her boob and running a straight razor along it. The next day, <laughs> can't believe you brought that make, back up. They make the I might listen. I got that in the brain. That's lodged in there. The, the next day, they're gonna make the two marshals fight to the death. They tie their wrists together like Michael Jackson, that other guy in the Beat It video, and they're just gonna have to go at it. And it, it seems like they're not going to, but then all of a sudden they start killing each other very quickly. Sticky Joe's like, "Don't worry, Marshall," and they start attacking each other. I'm like, yeah. "What?" 
So it looked like they were going to help each other. And then, of course, Sticky Joe, being the like dirty perv he is, tries to kill his yeah. clean martial friend. But you know what? Luckily, R.I.P. Sticky Joe. No, not rest in peace. I'm glad you're gone, Sticky Joe. <laughs> you're a sticky perv. And the other marshal. The other marshal dominates him in their like handcuff combat, and then kills him and like overkills him several times with the hatchet that they're using, and they yeah. give him high praise. Like, well, but the, you the know what? The sex cultists are like, "Way to go! You could be one of us, except you're not. It's time for us and to torture you some more." The, there are no winners in this battle. The sex terrorists are buttering him up. They call him a super badass. And the uh, the Hillary Duff witch Jezebel, she says she wants to, you know, uh, f him. <laughs> yeah. But they decide instead to just send him on a Comanche walk, which I don't know if this is a real thing. If it is, I would love to live the rest of my life and never have to go on one of these walks because they slice the skin off of his feet and they make him walk. And by the way, as they're doing this, they're just like slashing him. The music is incredible. I actually wrote that down. It's an too. incredible music choice I said and cue. Some strong music and editing and oh, sound they effects. They nailed it for this scene. They they did do a, some of their like this movie is notorious for excessive zooms and there was a lot of them. Well, it is now. Now that we're now that yeah, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make this movie no- notorious for its <laughs> there excessive are a lot zooms of zooms because they are close ups, tons of, of close ups. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Moonshine, the sort of indigenous character, cuts the butter's feet. I wasn't quite sure if they were suggesting they were cutting his Achilles. Like I didn't know. No, if I, think it's the skin's I don't think off. so. You I just think skin. they 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 skinned his feet. Oh and god, it must hurt so skinless. much. Yeah. In the end, our our marshal ends up. Dying. Oh, they scalp him too. Yeah, and he they gets scalp scalped, him. and he gets livered by Jerky Master. Yep, that's but, that's absolutely correct. Guess who gets away? Wait, but in all well, this? oh, but hang on, they don't just scalp him. Uh, he gets bitten by the snake. Felix, yes. This. <laughs> so we find out. God where, bless we, him. We find out this at this point that that Moonshine, the indigenous character, in her like scalp pouch, she's got a pouch that's made of scalps. Also has a poisonous snake, and this snake. Um, the effects for the snake are not, are not good. This has to be intentional, right? I mean, like the whole thing it, is that, intentional. Well, I know it's all intentional, but the snake that comes out is clearly a rubber snake that you could buy at your local toy store. <laughs> it just somebody is puppeteering the snake out from the top and is moving along the ground. Reminded and- me of Moonraker. <laughs> when the, st- the stunt double was just like whenever he'd move the snake and move, yeah. He was, yeah it is true that's a good call it seemed like the snake and moonraker oh god so, so we're, we're gonna compare this movie to moonraker <laughs> i i hope uh Stan feels good about that because i feel those are appropriate the places. uh they they've got to find a new hideout now clearly uncle crank who is uh uncle cranky uncle crank i forget what i think his name is just crank so he is the Asian American member of the gang, and he's been injecting himself with like heroin throughout this whole movie. This is so strange. He just has a giant syringe with brown liquid. Yeah, uh, he's going to inject the she devil with it, but she gets the drop on him and ends up escaping on her, on a motorcycle. We get a motorcycle chase. This is why we bring it back to the radical road uh, beer that we're enjoying. We, but from there, inexplicably, she takes off, and then we get a, a, a short scene with old Ezra, where yeah. he's once again talking to the turtle. He's explaining <laughs> how mammals work. So this is really, really funny. So I would say one, it, it, I like the attempt at the chase. It's the it's good musical cues. It's kind. It's really hilarious. It feels like an old comedy skit to me, where you see people like chasing each other just out of reach. It felt <laughs> like that. Um, and then we transition to Ezra's turtle time. <laughs> where he spends each day with his turtle just having good old lessons. No, Benny, we're not the same. Not exactly. Max and I are what you call mammals. 
But don't you worry, we may be different, but we're all family. Actually, reptiles are kinder than people. He's talking to his turtle <laughs> about what's the difference between reptiles and amphibians and mammals. And he's talking about hair and the way that babies are made. For... This, this, this is biology 101 right yeah. here. Yeah. The, the bikers are after the she devil. They can tell which way she's gone. Thanks to Moonshine's uh, Comanche tracking ability. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote fuck ah! off. And I underlined You're it so for, mad about for this. an entire half page. I have a half page of my notebook that just says fuck off after the Comanche tracking. I also decided at this point that this film was probably made in a weekend. I'm going to stop you right there because I would imagine this was a pretty quick shoot. I don't know if you can knock it out in two days, but considering that none of the characters ever change costumes and all the locations, are, I suspect this was a fast... And again, they're working on a low budget. This is a completely yeah. independent movie. It is hard for us, though, and hard for me when we have watched a lot of different movies and we talk about them to go back and look at this one because it is very different, right? It is a different And that's style. why we're doing it as a bonus episode because yeah. this is not... We can't put this up to the same standards as the rest no. of our stuff. And, and I want to still sort of highlight we appreciate getting this as a suggestion and it's and we had fun watching it for sure so jezebel thinks that this is some kind of ambush but lobo reminds her that he's the fucking president of this chapter which he <laughs> he mentions like so many times in this movie i'm what the motherfucking president what an insecure piece of shit this is lobo again being my least favorite character in the entire movie um throwing down all of his insecurities as he's trying to lead this group of just absurd and awful people the whole i'm the boss thing isn't a lot of movies where it's like you you want to uh, like maintain your power by reminding everyone i'm in charge not you it's like our least favorite character from uh point break the fucking Gary fbi Busey? yeah no no he's my favorite <laughs> character what the fuck are you talking about Gary Busey was amazing in that movie our least favorite character from point break is fucking Kano's boss dr cox no yeah get him out of here <laughs> <laughs> they find her even though it might be an ambush, they're about to kill her. But all of a sudden, sure enough, it is an ambush. Who are they about to kill, sorry? Uh, the she-devil of the... Oh, okay, Enyo, so they catch, the they catch up the, with the she-devil, yeah. they find her. They're about to kill her. But sure enough, it actually is an ambush. And old Ezra kills Uncle Cranky. Just a fucking bullet shot, and he's out. Yeah, he fucking snipes him from like 250 meters away. Yeah, this is where uh, no honor among thieves, I guess, because the cannibal guy, the liver king, ends up eating his liver also. He goes and eats his fucking uh, the gangmate's liver. He just says he wouldn't want me to have it go to waste. This gang is, they're reeling, at least for now. They're not yeah, in good well, shape. Well, they actually call for a retreat. The sex terrorists decide that this isn't where they want to be, even though there's still four of them and the one, like, ponchoed woman... They decide that it's time to run away, and so they do. They do, and while this happens, uh, the she-devil, uh, Enyo is her name, we find out, her and Ezra get to know each other, and it turns out that he's blind. He's been blind this whole time. Well, the way he phrases it, though, I'm only blind in one eye. I just can't see out of the other one, which is, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty amazing. funny. I so like our, that. Our, our prophetic old man, who we find out is blind... I. I find it a little hilarious that they didn't sort of suggest that earlier, but I also kind of like that, that it wasn't obvious that uh, Ezra was blind throughout the movie so far. Well, but is he really blind? Because he talks to the animals, and the animals guide him. They well, are his eyes. And the wind told him where he needed to shoot, I think, as far as the movie tells us. So clearly he uses his senses and his connection to nature to know what's happening. So he's, sure. he's less than blind. He has more senses than the rest of us. So he's not less than blind. He's more than blind. <laughs> 
Or is he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's more than us. He's definitely more than the sex. Well, I can't fucking sure. communicate with animals. Are you kidding me? Well, you need to try harder. That's good. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> no you, you better get a chinchilla. Yeah. Pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> so we see the te- sex terrorists. They're licking their wounds at this point. And we've got some dissension in the gang here between Jezebel and Moonshine. Really what it is is they need to focus. They need to get back the money and drugs. So the girls kind of have it out here, and uh, it turns out that the snake that Moonshine has in her possession is a symbol of her people. We see it again, and it's just a, clearly a plastic snake. And then we get a cut to like some stock footage of a snake rolling <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> With hissing sounds, it's fantastic. Oh. Uh, before we go forward, I think we forgot to mention, and I want to add this just so people don't confuse on the plot, when... Um, our sort of she-devil or our devil mountain lady gets away, she does steal the drugs and money from the sex terrorist gang. Right. She's got it. I'm sorry. I should have mentioned that. We I'm should very, have said that. I'm so, very intoxicated. So she point. gets away from that, and the rest of the sex terrorists are obviously upset. And This is why back. they're reeling. It turns out that Jezebel wants Lobo to want her, Shadow Cheap Trick, but just her. Okay, which is probably not going to happen because uh, Lobo clearly just has his way with whoever he wants. I think they both express that he fucks everything that he wants to. Doesn't strike me as a one-woman man. We then see Lobo, speaking of which, and uh, the Liver King, and they find two like lady campers. I don't understand what it's, this is. It's funny because they're kind of dressed as like scouts. They have matching baseball caps, and yeah. it's, it's like vaguely uniformish. Yeah, no, they definitely look like they're wearing scout attire. We find out later that they're from Alaska. Yeah, but as they walk up, Lobo uh, says something smells yummy, and they come uh, bearing liver. They've got. The liver guy's got, hey, you guys like a freshly cut liver? Yeah, they're cooking beans, and he offers up some liver to them. Well, and they've got margaritas. Oh, and yes, we start to have just sort of a margarita party. Sounds like a party, they say. Yeah. And uh, imme- almost immediately, they inject those girls with heroin. Yeah, they're and, not, uh, the girls are not happy about no. what's happening here. We've got Lobo and like Raper Liver King coming up on them. Yeah, thankfully, we cut away. We go back to the uh, the two women, Jezebel and Moonshine, and they're 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 kind of bonding at this point. They decide to take a bath in like a creek, and we get some very romantic guitar. Yeah, we got romantic songs and romantic music in the background. We got lots of zooms on thighs Always. and arms. Close up of hand holding. Yeah, some hand holding close ups. We boobs. see them take off all their more boobs. Lots yeah. of side and front boob. Um, <laughs> this music though, <laughs> these music cues are whoever edited this and put the music in. Well done. And so we see them have a romantic bath together. We think that the two ladies, even though there was a bit of conflict about who really was Lobo's lady are sort of bonding and overcoming that together. Well, no, hang on, because before we get the full taco bar, we cut back to the party that mm. uh, the Lobo and the Liver King are having, and it's it is not, grim. It's not it's going grim. well. No, it's, it's not good. It's really rough. They make the drugged-up lady strip, and then uh, this is... They rape and murder them. This is, I was going to say, this is maybe even more creepy than it sounds. It sounds real creepy. It is probably more creepy than that. It is awful. Like, what happens to these two sort of Alaskan women who are down for a camp is traumatic. It's not good. And awful. No. Um, this you know just, what, you know what, though? Yeah. Uh, you know what is good? Is the scene of Ezra talking to that snake. <laughs> <laughs> so while this is all happening... Felix, the snake, sort of slithers his way up to meet our prophetic friend, the old man, Ezra, blind 
animal talker. And Ezra knows immediately, and he tells Felix, listen, uh, you know who you can't trust? That Jezebel lady. You can't trust her. And so, <laughs> this is... Oh, my God. So, after the snake sort of has its meeting with uh, our friend Ezra the prophet... We sort of switch back to the two campers. That party is going about as bad as it could possibly go. It's really bad. Go. They keep cutting in scenes of a smashed guitar. That's so strange. I don't yeah, get so it. they take an acoustic guitar that the ladies were sort of playing with before the two horrible people showed up, and they keep breaking it over a rock to sort of demonstrate. And how this is awful like a slow is. motion close up. Like this is metaphorical almost, like as, as though their spirits are being broken. Yeah, and so it's. It's traumatic. As a viewer, I was really, really sort of struck and uncomfortable by it. And I guess that was the intention. Yeah. Then we go back to the two women and the snake tries to bite Jezebel. Yeah. But uh, Moonshine stops the snake and is like, oh, that's strange. And they end up cooking some like other lizards. They have a little camp out, eat some, eat some food they've caught, some animals they yeah, killed. Felix, Felix yeah. had brought some animals back for them. So Felix had oh, brought... Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, so oh, the snake had brought back a lizard and a, and a mouse and a couple other animals for them. Yeah. So they have a little cookout. sitting by campfire talking together. They fall uh, asleep. And then the next morning, Jezebel turns on her. She ends up knifing her and then scalps her. But strangely, during the scalping, Moonshine is not phased. She tells her, I am the Lizard Queen, among other things, and swears that she will haunt her dreams. We only have three of the sex terrorists. Yeah, the sex terrorist left. gang is kind of getting whittled down. They're here. getting decimated, as was prophesized by our old man in this there story, right? We knew yeah. kind of that this was likely to happen. We know that the way that we're living currently is not sustainable. We got to get back to nature. <laughs> My That's God, you are pulling all the meaning out of this. Also waking up this next morning is Lobo and the Liver King. The women, the women are very dead. Uh, these two guys seem to have a bad hangover. So they stagger off. And while they're staying off, they bump into Jezebel. And they, when they find out kind of what happened to Moonshine, they uh, get very upset. And sure enough, they, they try shooting Jezebel. But she speeds off on a motorcycle they are like five feet away from her and they miss her with all the bullets. They shoot like 17 times. They don't hit her. She's as far away from them as I am from you right now. It is pretty hilarious. I was about to throw down ridiculous again. She shoots out their tires though. It's pretty insane that she's so accurate that she can shoot out their tires, but she has no interest in killing them and she drives off. No, but Lobo swears revenge. Meanwhile, the Liver King is like, yeah, that's stupid. I'm out of here. So Lobo turns on him. We get a knife fight, and my God, this knife fight. <laughs> Lobo just... versus Liver. This is uh, giving me sort of flashbacks of other fights we've seen in this podcast. This, this fight scene is incredible, and I say that with, like, the highest level of sarcasm. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's incredible in the way that I enjoy so many bad movies. This fight scene is hilariously bad. And sure enough, it ends with Lobo killing the Liver King and then dropping this little phrase on him. Just, he says, he tells him, You can keep your stink-ass liver! <laughs> Lobo is not going to uh, eat the Liver King's liver. Yeah, it was. we see sort of the homeless Davy Crockett just get finished off by Lobo, our wolf king that dude is always covered in blood oh. clean yourself up he, you know what you're, he's the yeah, most you're eating livers, sort of but fucking wipe your face despicable, disgusting character in here and there are several characters who rape and maim so i don't oh, know he's it's awful but at least we see wolf the wolf like murder him and take off as we sort of transition from that 
fight back to Enyo and Ezra. Yeah, they're walking along and they spot a smoke signal. Now Enyo goes to investigate and when she gets there, she finds Jezebel. She comes in peace, Jezebel does, because of boy drama, she says. She proposes an alliance, but... It turns out Enyo is a Texas Ranger. She's been undercover this whole time. Boom! Yeah. And she shoots Jezebel. We get like a bullet hole point of view. Uh, But Jezebel is not dead dead. She's just been shot. So she speeds off. And then for some inexplicable reason, we go to a scene where Ezra is like dry humping a tree that he says is his soulmate. (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to come back here for a second. This cut to... Our prophet and his tree is really, really interesting and telling. He t- like <laughs> he's very, he's very much at one with he's nature. He's so romantic. The tree is his soulmate, and we learn that nature really is the message behind this movie, right? Like we should all be way closer to our trees and animals. Than I'm not sure are. we should be that close to nature, as close as Ezra is, I mean, because he's should anyone? Maybe a little I don't too know. Close to Ezra. He- <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> there might be a little too much sap on his body for my liking. Oh God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, Enyo has to go, and we end up back at the bridge from the original shot in this movie. We've got some nice symmetry. They're bookending oh, this. I really like this part. I love how we end we up bridges. where we started. I really like it. We get a little showdown where Enyo is there squaring off against Lobo, but then all of a sudden, Jezebel appears. She whips Lobo with her bullwhip. She flips him over the edge, and his neck is broken. She hangs him, and that's it for Lobo. He's dead. Yeah, she's the power. She doesn't want Lobo to be there anymore. Well, she she claims to be the power. She tries to pull rank on Enyo and is like, I'm in charge. And then we get a second showdown with just like those two facing off here. And we, my God, the intense close-ups in this showdown. The intense eyes. It's several close-ups on eyes, several close-ups on guns. For some reason, Jezebel's carrying like oh, no. a German Luger. She is, which how have we not mentioned that until now? <laughs> I don't what know. What are these weird assortment of guns these yeah, characters have? It is interesting. I thought they would all be kind of Western revolvers, but for some reason, Jezebel it's, it's has... absolutely a German Luger. Yeah, this yes. is straight out of World War II, World right? War like, II. this is weird. The guns quickly get dispatched, and they end up having Knife Fight 2.0, just like slashing and trying to stab each other. The noise is that the two of them are making... <laughs> To me, uh, <laughs> do you want me to tell you what I called this fight? Please do. It'll make me seem like less of a creep. Yeah, I call this the orgasm sound fight. They're very sexy noises. Yeah, they. It's like a female tennis match. The grunting and the sounds that were coming out of these women as they were slashing at each other was nothing less than a fake orgasm pornography film. It sounds a lot like both of them are climaxing, and Jezebel goes to swipe Anya with a knife. Anya catches it with her hand. And the pain clearly does not phase her, neither does the blood. And at that point, we see Ezra come. He pops in, and we see a noose fly around the neck of Jezebel. Yep, and she ends up getting hung also. So it's our second or third hanging of the movie. She I think gets it's the hung, third hanging. Yeah. Broken neck. And now we've got Ezra and Enyo, and they walk off together. And she tells us that being a Texan means one thing. Being born mean. We get a walk, a shot of them like walking off on the bridge. It's kind of a mirror image of the way the movie starts. And that's the end. And we get the credits. And just like... What, that's it? What the I, fuck? I, I really like that the ending mirrored the start. They played the same music that we had going in. The only difference in the shot was that we could see the two bodies hanging there. They clearly had this worked out from the beginning. We're going to begin this bridge. We're going to end on this bridge. There's some craft and some thought into this. Like, these guys are... You know, they're working on a limited budget, but they're not fucking around. They're making a serious movie. 
Yeah. Well, no, not a serious movie. <laughs> but they are yeah. making a movie. They are filmmakers. They're and I think serious that, about making this movie. Yeah, they are serious about making films. And I think that's a fair way to describe what happened. We need to rate this as we usually do. We rate it two times on a scale of one to 10, one to 10 for how bad it is and one to 10 for how enjoyable it is. And the goal is to find a movie that is 10 out of 10 on both things, or as we know it, the Crit I struggle with this because they're trying to make this movie, like they know it's low budget. They're trying to make it akin to the 70s, like bad movies in the 70s. Yes. And you know what? They succeed because in my opinion, this movie is 10 out of 10 bad. It's like, listen, it's it's a low budget thing. No one's gonna mistake this for a Hollywood production. Some of the choices are, let's just say, aggressive, and like some of the acting performances, not strong. I think they've hit this, like they've hit the nail on the head in terms of making a movie that seems like it would fit in with like the late night nonsense movies in the seventies. Mission accomplished, so I feel weird about giving it a 10, yeah. but you've made a movie that is 10 out of 10 bad. For me, the Crit, the 20, crit 20, 20 is in play. <laughs> what do you say? I, I kind of agree with you. It sort of feels like it was made sort of in homage to some of the movies that were popular at that time. But I am going to give it a 10. Uh, I, go. I'm going to go okay, there. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 10 bad because I do want the Crit 20 to be in play. Right, because I'm sorry, I, you want what to be in play? I want the Crit want 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 to be in play because I think that's important here because I think that's part of what the goal was behind this movie. You clearly can't say the acting was good and you clearly can't say that several of the content points of the movie were something that would be applicable to a wide audience. Right? No, like, and again, they reached out to us. We're not called good movies in beer. No, no, no. If you're reaching out to us, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it makes sense. And so they're, I'm going to give them a 10 out of 10 bet. Um, and then we have one other rating that we have to do. We have to say how enjoyable it was out of 10. And? So, <laughs> I feel really put on the spot about this one. I love that you have to go first. The I record. <laughs> you feel so good about this right now because this for me was a struggle. I really had issues with some of the content and that says more about me than the, the movie itself. I really think that was intentional. I really enjoyed the musical cues. I really enjoyed that it started and ended on a trust bridge. I thought that was great. I think that the Ezra character and maybe the sort of the message of Back to Nature fits well with some <laughs> of the things you that would I eat like. That shit up. I know, I love that. <laughs> I eat right that up your shit alley. up, right? I love that it's a condemnation of sort of general society, or that's the way that I I take it to be. So it's it's interesting for me. I I clearly won't watch this again, as with most of the movies. Oh no. As, well, I guess as yeah, with I was most say, of the movies that we've yeah, ever watched. They're in that, good company. It's yeah, not, this you is don't, not, this is not a, a sort of condemnation of this movie. That is where most of the movies on this podcast fall. But an enjoyability rating for me, I think I gotta stick it with a six. See, now I feel bad because my enjoyability rating is a five. I just how do I put this? There will be days where I am in the mood to watch a movie like this. And there will also be days when I am not in the mood. It's kind of a coin flip. I can kind of go either way. There were times I laughed out loud. Like oh. this, was an, this was an entertaining watch for me this yeah. one time. To your point, I don't know if I would necessarily want to see it again. And that's fair. I, I think I laughed a lot as well. There were parts where I was laughing out loud. We almost had to pause the movie a couple times because I found things so funny slash ridiculous, right? Yeah, and for the record, anyone tuning into the second half of our first season, people wanted to hear our reactions more in real time. There would have been a few times yeah, where we were both really good ones. And yeah. so if you like this style of movie, 
I think it's one that you definitely should watch. If you're not someone who's really interested in sort of, I'm going to throw air quotes sleaze out there, then you might not be interested in this movie, but it is definitely worth a watch if it's if it's something that's sort of up your alley. And we want to thank uh, Stefan for sending in that recommendation. We appreciate that. Absolutely. A lot. And uh, you know that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. But we got to talk about the beer. Holy shit! You're right. I almost yeah. Forgot. You almost walked right by this Uso Pale Ale. I apologize. Radical Road Brewing Company, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, how did you feel about it? <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know a lot about the Uzo fruit, but I, I feel like it pairs super well with this kind of pale ale flavor. Yeah, I, as you know, I'm not an IPA guy, not a pale ale guy, but I took one sip of this and I was like, wow, I was pretty into it. I was like, this is going to be fucking enjoyable beer. And sure enough, it went down real smooth. If you can't hear me getting drunker in the course of this podcast, it happened. Trust me. <laughs> um, I would drink this again. Yuzu, Radical Road. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, I enjoyed those sort of yuzu notes, um, the the sort of fruit notes that were there with that pale ale. I love pale ales, and this fit perfectly in sort of the range of uh, more sort of hoppy, fruit forward, cloudy pale ales that I enjoy. So there's high praise from uh, from Noel here for anyone who's looking for a good IPA. If you're in the Toronto area, Ontario area. <laughs> 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 So that will bring us to the end of this bonus episode. We'll be back in about four weeks or so, four or five weeks, with the rest of our first season here on Bad Movies and Beer. Uh, if you have not already, please like, share, subscribe, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. If you have any suggestions either for beer or for uh, movies you might want us to watch, if you have any questions or comments for us, please send us an email at thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Or just slide into our DMs on Instagram and Twitter. Why not, right? Yeah, we love talking with people both on uh, our social media and in our email. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it raunchy. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Hell comes to Texas. Texas.